Welcome to Crime Time with Maggie Sten. What you're going to be listening to is a series of episodes called The Times Aren't Changing, They Have Changed. Hey! Welcome back, Joe. Hello. Now, last time you had just started working for John Adams and you felt very comfortable there. I did, and I've just learnt that homosexuality was illegal at the yes, time. Yes, Um And, yeah, I did. I worked there. I only worked there for five months. I loved it. They didn't love me so much. Why? Oh, because there was a very – I can't remember her name, but there was a very famous model who came in one day for a perm. Everyone was having perms in those days. And you had to put solution on yeah. and then rinse it off and then you had to put – um neutralizer on yeah and i like i'd only been can i stop you there in those days those perms were called afros (laughs) which today you're not allowed to say oh no i don't think so (laughs) i doubt anyway everyone was having them back in the day whether you had curly hair or not we made it curly yes (laughs) and i'd only been there a few months i forgot to put the neutralizer on Mm. and the her hair wrapped around the curlers, started falling off into the basin, like click, click, and I still didn't really catch on. <laughs> so I called over the hairdresser who was doing the perms. What's going on here? <laughs> I was shown the door. <laughs> okay. So what happened? Was your father happy? <clears throat> oh, thrilled because I told you you'd never make it, that you'd be no good at that. <laughs> he was thrilled. <laughs> So what happened then? And there was no him even trying to disguise it or, you know, like he was like pounding his chest. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> Did he want you to be a plumber then? Well, no, I think he would have, oh, he would have had me do anything other than a florist. You know? <laughs> no florist <laughs> no. either. <laughs> so I got another job in the city at, at a really sort of down market salon. Because I'd done five months at, at a top salon, I kind of already knew that what they were doing wasn't wasn't right. right. Like they used to just one funny thing. They used to use the towels and then just put them straight in the dryer and not not wash them. Oh god. Oh I know. To kind of yeah. save time and money. So they didn't launder the towels. So like somebody else's Ugh. Oh, I know. And and a whole host Particularly if someone things. had knits. Oh, or anything. Or yeah. but if it you know. Yeah. Could have done anyway. All sorts of things. So I didn't last there very long either. And then I got a job at Kent Gretton, which was another salon in Double Bay. All I really wanted to do was get back to Double Bay because I'd had that sort of taste of it. Yes. And I somehow worked out this is for me, this is where I want to be. And Kent Gretton was a very good salon at the time, but not sort of high profile like John Adams was. But he was German. Very Wolfgang. Yes, he was. And Maggie tells me this is where I met you, Maggie. That's that's right. On my first day at Kent Gretton, Maggie was my I think my first shampoo. Yeah, I was. And I was. Maggie went there a lot. And I so did. we became Because I had curly hair that I wanted to look you straight. <laughs> so if you no. didn't have straight hair that you were making curly, you had curly hair that you were making straight. Exactly. There were no and, curls for and me. And we became quite good friends straight away. Yes, because, yes. Yeah. And Kent used to yell at you all the all time. All the time. And he was German and very Germanic, and but he was a very good teacher and a very good hairdresser. He was an excellent he hairdresser. He was probably underrated, but yeah. I think his sort of his Germanic personality might have come well, into did. play. He was a there. catwalk type hairdresser. Yeah. That sort of cutter and colorist. Yeah. And he got the name Kent because he needed an English name and that's the cigarettes he smoked. <laughs> Seriously. It's quite a good name, really. Yes. It sort yeah. of suited him. Yeah. 
Yeah, but he was a real, you will do what oh, I say. absolutely. And it was, there was, you know, when I... remember I... he wouldn't let you speak on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't even have phone. I wasn't even allowed to use the phone. I know. My the, own phone. That's what I meant, that oh, phone. Nobody had their own no. phone. And it is funny, like in those days we had to turn up to work when we were told. Yes. So if there was an 8 o'clock client or a 7 o'clock client, that's what time we started. Yes. And we stayed until the last client was finished, no matter what time it was. Exactly. We you had, were paid something ridiculous oh, like $15 know, a week. $54 was yes. my pay then. Yes, yeah. I remember it. And I paid $30 in rent. Yes. So $24. Exactly. And a yes. few tips and things. But the difference is now with like with the – Young people that yeah. we hire today, they have a starting time, a finishing time, and not they will not one minute give you either no. side. Oh no! And we had we have cleaners that come every night into the salon. Now, back in those days, when we'd finished a whole day, we we had to stay back and, and clean, clean and set the salon up for the next day. Like it wouldn't be unusual for me to leave until seven or eight some nights, yes. not every night, yeah. but some nights, and it wouldn't be unusual if we started at seven or eight yeah. in the morning and we didn't get offered one cent. There was definitely no lunch breaks. Like you were lucky if you could run out, grab a sandwich and shove it down your throat. Yeah. Yeah. So things have changed a lot in that. I don't know. Maybe it is for the better. I don't know. I don't know that we're producing as good a hairdressers though. Well, I don't think it's for the better in any industry. It's it's exactly the same in law. Yeah. Law clerks didn't get lunch hours. Law clerks got everybody's dry cleaning. They got everybody's tea and coffee. They did the cleaning. A law clerk was like a hairdresser junior. Yeah. Now, oh, you ask them to make you a cup of tea. I can't have that. I'm not the tea lady. (laughs) And I just think, I think it's sad because even though getting the dry cleaning, making tea might not make you a better lawyer or a hairdresser, but it, it makes you part of the team. It makes you part of every – like you're, you're learning the job from the ground up, every mm. bit of it. Well, I think it probably does make you better at it because if you want to one day run a business, you've got to know every part of that business. Absolutely. And, and not only that, you know, you're not going to stay there through thick and thin unless you really want it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like it makes yeah. you want the job more. It makes yeah. you want the position. makes you want to become part of it yeah. more. If you actually – I've always thought this. If you actually love what you do, then it's not called work. No. Because you enjoy it. You no. really like well, it. Well, I've got a broken arm at the moment. For everyone that can't see, I've had five weeks off work. And I would have thought that that would have been like – you know, hooray! Five weeks yeah. at home, but I do love what I, I still love. What I do, I love yeah. the, I love the uh, being with people. Exactly. I love everything to do with it. Really, even though sometimes you know you might have the shits with your job, yeah. but like, but that's why you're good at it. Yeah, exactly. I really believe yeah, that. I do too. People who are excellent at what they do tend to be obsessed with their work, yeah. and they love it. Yeah, and therefore it's not work. Yeah, it's true. It I, would be sad to. I mean, you know, I've never done it, but it'd be sad to have a job that you hated, wouldn't it? Like you had to drag yourself to work every day and and do things that didn't inspire you. No, it'd be terrible. It really would be terrible. But I think a lot of that comes today with all the chopping and changing that they do with jobs. You'd think they'd be able to find something they loved, but it seems to be worse. Yeah. They seem to be more disgruntled. I know, like... When I was younger, if you changed jobs, it was almost shameful. Exactly. You know, like yeah. what went wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, the people, the young people are proud of it, and they and they wear it as a badge of honour almost, yeah. and they and they like to change it up as well. Like, if, you know, if I had a if I had a change job, which I never have, 
I would have just gone to another salon. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't yeah. have gone and become a plumber. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I wouldn't have gone to another a completely different field. No. No, but they do now after a year. Yeah. Okay, back to why we're really here because mm. it is crime time. We're in the early to mid-80s. You've discovered the gay world of the eastern suburbs yeah. and you had no idea that it was illegal or a no. crime. Even though you had no idea it was a crime, was it out in the open as much as it is now? Oh, no. Yes and no. Like Oxford Street was on fire, like the nightclubs and but I but n- now that you say it, I don't think it was sort of I don't think you certainly wouldn't walk down the street holding hands no. or well there was no I don't think there was a I think Mardi Gras started Mardi Gras in 78. No, I'll tell you exactly when Mardi Gras was because my very first criminal case was from the Mardi Gras and that would have been 19 19- 86. I think it, so it's, it in started its form, about 85. I think that's in its present form, but in 1978 was the first, um, it was like a riot or a, what do they call it? Like a protest, mm. which, which I think everybody that went to it was put in jail. But the one, and that, that became yeah. the, the precursor. Yeah, but the one I'm talking about was the proper Mardi Gras. Right. And my client was actually charged with an assault at the Mardi Gras. For being gay, no. No, for the other way around. But he someone. wasn't. Yeah, but but he actually didn't. It was all but yes, for building something. Right. Which meant that nobody was really well, particularly interested. On that matter and whether we we were as visible, I think, you know, in the last couple of weeks those gay hate crimes in Bondi have been talked about. Yes. And the, and it, it's come to pass that the police didn't Look into them because no. they were just gay. So exactly. They just thought, well, they're not worth yeah. um, following up. So there's a huge shift that way. Yeah. Isn't there? Yeah. Well, that definitely. But correct me if I'm wrong. It would have been okay to be gay in Oxford Street. Yes. And certain places oh, in Double Bay. Yes, but certainly not at the Rooty Hill RSL no. Club or anything. No. No. No, no, you would have never admitted to that there. <laughs> or in Joe Bailey's dining room. No. Senior. <laughs> you wouldn't have admitted no. to it there. Because what would have happened to you? Oh, you get smacked in the head. Exactly. Yeah. And there was, I do remember a lot of gay bashings going on in and around Oxford Street in those days. Yes. Like it wasn't safe yes. to go wandering off the beaten track. Yeah. Because there were gangs of thugs yes. waiting if you yeah. if you were too yeah. if you were too yeah, gay. It was called Puftabash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you were aware of that. Yes. And then along came AIDS. Yes, exactly, on top of all this. It was a really sort of promiscuous time and a very sort of, you know, maybe it was later, but remember the, like the Aubrey Hotel, everybody spilling out onto the um, – Onto the footpath. Do you yeah. remember driving past there? Which one's the Albury? Oh, the one right near St. Vincent's Hospital that was on the corner. Okay. Anyhow, famously everybody spilled yeah. out onto the streets yeah. and, you know, people, yeah. it's amazing because everybody was drinking and smoking and dancing in the street yeah. and no one seemed to care, you yeah. know. But that was there. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't have done that in the no. Bankstown. Pub. No, absolutely not. But yes, and then along came AIDS, and I vividly remember being told about it for the first time about this some hideous disease that seemed to be targeting gay men in, I think, New York mainly yes. at the time. I think it's sort of that's where it sort of cropped up. Yeah. 
first. Mm. And I don't think it had a name or anything. It was just that the gay men were dying. Um, and, and yeah. you know, first of all, their skin was yeah. rotting and, you know, that you lost all the weight. I mean, you know, the most horrific thing that could happen to a gay man would be to get, you know, lose all your weight and your skin yes. go hideous yeah. and then die. Yeah. You know, it's sort of and, – and, you know, I think there was sort of a perception out there that it was almost God's will against – Oh, there definitely definitely was. And, in fact, you know, a lot of people sprouted that theory. Absolutely. You know, this is like one of the plagues. Yes. And then, you know, the second biggest people to be targeted by were intravenous drug users, another very disposable sort of part of the society that, you know, probably deserved it. Yeah, yeah. There was all those theories that, you know, some gay brought her back from a monkey in Africa and... It wasn't actually in Australia. It was retrospectively diagnosed in 1994, whereas the first Australian case was in 1981. Mm. So it was after 1994 that people were spurred into action. People started using condoms. They started joining groups. And then there was a lot of research done. In the beginning that that's not going to happen to me. Yes. You know. Yeah. Until it did start happening to everyone. Well, you know, there's – it certainly wasn't as open as it is today because I remember, and I'm not going to mention names, but it was a gay person who was very openly gay whose boyfriend – or secret boyfriend, was a heterosexual male with a wife and three children. Mm. Well, that happened a lot. Yeah. But imagine. I know. Imagine Imagine taking it home to your wife and children. Yeah. Imagine if the wife gets AIDS, got no idea. And it happened. Yeah, it did happen. And there was all, yeah, there was also like in gay relationships where, you know, they thought they were monogamous and one of them was out. Playing yes. around, then he'd bring it back to the one that was being faithful. And yeah. Remember those movies? Yeah, yeah. Do you think that still happens today? I don't think anybody gets it anymore, do they? No, no, but oh. no, no, not the actual ads. Oh. But do you think that it would still happen that a heterosexual, a um, gay male oh, would pretend to be heterosexual? Definitely. So yeah. nothing's changed like that? I don't that? think so. I don't know. But I you, you, look, you hear about it all the time, stories like that. Still today. Yeah, and just men that for whatever reason don't feel comfortable coming out so they get married and then continue on anyway. Do you think that there are more gay people today than there were in 1980? Per, per capita of the population, obviously. I don't know. There seemed to be quite a lot back then. There seems to be quite a lot now. There probably more, definitely more would be out now. Than back then, right? Yeah, but no, no, I don't think there's necessarily more of them. There definitely seems to be more transgender people. Yes, they seem yes. to multiply. <laughs> exactly. I was going to ask you about. Yeah. What's that about? Well, look, I don't know, but I don't know whether it, whether because there's all this sort of you know inclusion that they feel thing, or or are they being sort of almost encouraged into it? Well, yeah, they they can't possibly be. They can't be a large percentage of the population. They just can't be. No. That's impossible. And yet they seem to have this voice where they refer to themselves as a minority group and they tend to align themselves with 
racial minority groups, disability groups, and I think that is so wrong because they're not a group that has been discriminated against per se. No. Just I find it very, very strange. Yeah, the whole prominence of the whole thing is is huge, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Like that they have such a voice, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, people who in any way, and I don't, I'm, I'm certainly not having a go, go at them here, but people who in any way challenge them or anything seem to get cancelled immediately. Like, yes, but, but I think that happens with everything today and this right. is why I think people should understand laws that are made. I mean, for instance, now this this new fashion of wanting to bring down statues, wanting to bring down anything that is a part of history, like particularly English white history where they use people as slaves. Well, great. What are you going to do? You're going to go back to ancient Greece? But anyhow. Because even Rome won't do. That makes no sense anyway because whether they take the statue down or not, it still happened. Of course it happened. And those people that did it at the time were applauded. Yeah, because it was part of society. I know, but there's probably things we're doing right now that in a hundred years' time we'll find out was wrong. Yeah, completely yeah. wrong. You know, yeah. and so it goes on. I think one of them might be trying to tell everyone how to think and breathe. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And you know, th- throughout history, there's always been things that have, that retrospectively we've decided probably wasn't a great idea, but at the time. Yeah. Now, you recently got married. I did. Okay. Did that change you in any way? Made me sadder. (laughs) (laughs) I've joined the... Join the masses of the great unhappy. Exactly. <laughs> I always said everything. No, no, no. Be no, look, it has, it has, look, first of all, I, I would say that as a young person growing up, I never thought I would get married because, first of all, it wasn't available. And yeah. secondly, I probably wasn't going to marry a girl anytime soon. So I never saw myself as getting married. And my partner, Michael, who I've been with for 13 years, it was his idea. It wasn't my idea. It probably was. It probably isn't something I would have done, but it meant a lot to him. Right. So I, you know, I just thought, you know, to be perfectly honest, it doesn't really mean that much to me. So no. I, I mean, I could, I could get out of it as easily as I entered into it. Right. Really. See, I've always, my view has always been, yes, you know, gay people should be allowed to marry. They should be allowed to be as miserable as everyone oh, no, else. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I don't know why. And I include myself in this, why why there was any need to get married, really. I mean, as you asked, no, my life hasn't changed one bit. But I do feel a little bit part of something and a bit more secure, I suppose, and... Well, I kept getting married because I like weddings. Well, exactly. Yeah, I think weddings are great. I liked liked the wedding. Yeah, yeah, and the parties with the wedding. I mean, our, our wedding certainly wasn't solemn or sort of like, you know, like... Again, for those people who don't know, Joe got married at Cable Beach mm, in Broome. Yes, yeah, and it was it was you know it was just thirty people. It was very casual. And look, am I glad I did it? Yeah, I'm very I'm glad. But Are you going to adopt children? No. <laughs> Why don't well, you like children? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind other people's. I certainly don't want my own. Right. No. And I would be the worst father. <laughs> would you be like your father? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? Exactly. Like I would, no, no. I think I'd be like a sort of hectic sort of father that would, yeah. Okay. All right, let's go back. So we've 
mid-80s, what happened then? I'm interested in how living life in Sydney as a gay person has changed through the decades. Oh, okay. So, well, there was the introduction of AIDS, which was which was a huge game changer because, you know, it changed not only, you know, I mean, I'm talking now over the next period. Yes, like, yeah. you know, not only the way... I mean, I, I was pretty much always in a relationship, so that sort of saved my life, right. I think, because... So, so I wasn't having monogamous. yes, and I wasn't yeah. really having casual sex. Mm. So good to th- know. Yes, well, that's how <laughs> I managed to survive because a mm. lot of my contemporaries at the time didn't make it. So right. pe- then that's what I was about to say. People started getting sick yeah. with it. People started dying with it. You know, it was horrific. Yeah. It really yeah, was. It wasn't good. And and in fact, your Oxford Street. Was We're starting to look like a hospital. Absolutely. And, you know. Because that's where the hospice was. Yes. Ward 17 South. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and yeah, and it changed from a very upbeat sort of, you know, gay, everything's fabulous sort of atmosphere to quite a, you know, sad, you know, everything's not so great for, mm. for, for years there. And as I said, people were dying and getting sick and, and retreating, I suppose, away from that life. It was a little bit like when um, COVID happened, everybody started moving out of the cities. Yes. Well, people started moving out of the gay community right. because they thought by hanging around it they might catch it, you know. Right. No one, there was a great long time when no one knew how you got it. Exactly. Remember, like yeah. I remember the Princess of Wales picking up a little baby in a hospital well into the 90s and... Every, you know, the newspapers said, oh, you know, that she shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. You know, she could catch it. And, yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of hysteria about it. And in fact, Kent died of it. He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. And he got very sick. Yeah. Okay. What was your father's view of it? My father chose not to discuss anything that was unsavory. So as far as he was concerned, like, you know, there was no AIDS at the golf club. Right. No, but did he see did he see it as punishment? No. No, he turned out to be quite um he did turn out to be quite soft and quite caring my father in the end. Once he sort of <laughs> calmed down. Yeah. By the time I was about 50. <laughs> by the time I was, Better late than never. No, by the time I was about 40, he, yeah, he sort of he, he sort of grasped the concept of it and realised that it wasn't a fad. Right. Like, okay. you know, You're not going to grow out of no, it. No, okay. which is what, you know. He, when I was about nine or ten, I started horse riding and he told me, you know, oh, that you won't, you won't be, I'm still doing it now, I'm 60, but he told me back then, you'll get over that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a phase you're going through. Right. Oh. Okay, would he have come to your wedding if he was alive? Um, yes. So my wedding was postponed because of COVID and I invited him to the first one and he accepted. Oh, good. Mm. But and did when, he like Michael? He liked Michael, yes, he did. But he, um, the first time we had lunch together after the invitations to the wedding went out, um, Michael sat next to him at lunch. We met in a restaurant and Michael sat down and Dad said, I think you're fucking mad. <laughs> And what did Michael say? Like, why? Why do you want to get married for? <laughs> was your stepmother still alive? Yes, and she was all for it. Okay. No, no, he did come. He did come around. Good. 
All right, so um, do you see any differences now in the present day with being a gay man? Oh, my God. Well, first of all, um, back in those days, as I said, Oxford Street, it was all about Oxford Street. So you'd go out, if you wanted to have sex with someone, you'd go out and pick somebody up. Allegedly these days, I don't do it, but all the young people do it on something called Grinder. So they just go online, they stay in their apartment, the person turns yes. up. You know, you should send dick pics to each other and all that before. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. So that's a huge shift, really, isn't it? And it we is. were all well. You know, we was, couldn't be doing. Was, we there, couldn't be having this interview thirty years. No, ago. that's true. You know, there, there were, would have been a policeman at the door, <laughs> <laughs> and I would have had a new client. <laughs> Go on. Just, no, it was very glamorous. The gay scene back then. It and, was, and it, you know, it was decimated by the AIDS thing, and then. I think ice came along and, and mm. sort of cleaned out the rest of it. Cause I think, you know, gay people are notor- notoriously big drug takers because they don't have children or family. Yes. So there's high disposable and, and, income. And, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, I think it was all right when it was ecstasy and a little bit of cocaine, but when ice came along, I think that really had a big impact. So the, you know, doesn't ob- I, I, I understand with ice, not everyone ends up like the people in the street. No. But, but it's I still, still not think good. it. No, I still think it takes a lot more away from you. Yeah, it's but crossing. you know, on the f- on the very few occasions that I might have been out to dinner and we've been, you know, someone said let's go out and have a, have a drink at Stonewall or something. In the last few years, it's nothing like what it was when I was young. You know, it was very glamorous. Everyone was out charged up. You know, it was it was it was fabulous then. It's sort I, of a well, bit sad and now. And in fact. People had gay friends because that was the glamorous part. Absolutely. I mean, I often, whenever Kent needed to go anywhere where he was invited to lots of things. Yes, he took you. Yeah, Yeah. I'd be the person he carted along and it was great because it meant you could dress up. It was always somewhere fabulous. And and even though he was openly gay, he would have taken you because it would have looked better for him to be with a girl than a a man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, funny you should mention golf clubs because a lot of his clients always had their functions at the Royal Australian. That one in Kent Street or the Royal Sydney or whatever it's called. Yeah, Yeah, that one, that dusty place (laughs) (laughs) where they think it's just wonderful and I think it looks It's a bit like Buckingham Palace. Yeah, we could use a coat of Mr Sheen. (laughs) It really could. Whereas, you know, they think it's wonderful. So when were the better days, then or now? Oh, well, look, I think everybody thinks their youth are the best days, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yes, of course it was when I was young. I do. But, but, you know, better because it was more fun, I suppose, and, and, you know, we were all young. But I suppose, you know, I think there was a lot of fighting for gay rights and and to make it legal and all that. I think we're there now. I mean, I don't think anybody you know, is really victimised anymore. People were allowed to get married, were accepted in mainstream. I must say that throughout all that, I never felt victimised or penalised because I was gay. I never felt like I couldn't go to a dinner party or, you know, the bank manager. You know what I mean? Like people say that they were... I do. Yeah, put down. I never felt it, ever. 
in my career or which is good yeah but i think that that's probably because the job you do yeah correct and because the standing that you have in the job you do you know i agree and and i'm dealing mainly with women who are usually a softer touch like i'm not going to work in the you know in a coal mine or something yeah that'd be fun yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'd be good at that yeah you'd be great okay let's to finish off Recently, I don't know whether you're aware, but the sexual assault laws have changed, particularly the laws dealing with consent. Yes. Predominantly, they were brought in as a reaction to some of these high-profile footballer cases and other cases where the female victim feels that she's hard done by because they haven't managed to get a conviction. So... The consent laws always have just a male and a female. There's very rarely a third party in the room who can actually give any evidences of any use. No. So it used to be that people could consent or show their consent by their actions. Under these new consent laws, it requires more than that and it requires some kind of consent verbal usually, for each part of the sexual act. How is that going to go with Uh, the people on (laughs) Grindr? Well, I don't think it's going to go very well at all. But I suppose, I mean, but it's, but I think one of those guys, the one that kept the cab waiting, he met, he, he met his perspective. Whatever she, what do you call her partner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. on a on a dating app, yeah. didn't they? Yes. But you would think that's consent enough. I mean, if you're on a dating app and they're on a dating app and you yeah. make plans to meet up, you're certainly not meeting up for a cup of tea. Exactly. Are you? And my theory on that is, had he have not kept that meter running and kept that cab, and told her she was fabulous and bought her flowers, there'd be no case. Yeah, because that was all about lack of respect. Yeah. And and you know what? Probably a lot of Neanderthal-type footballers don't have a lot of respect. They don't. But that's not breaking the law, though, No, is exactly, that? exactly. But from a gay perspective, yeah. right, I mean, if you, as you said earlier, they send each other pictures of their digs, so obviously that's what they're fixated on. So how are they going to go where the act, according to these new consent laws, pers- picture this. Man from Grinder arrives, rips his clothes off, flies through the front door. The act begins. And then do you have to say, can I put that in my mouth? Yes. And can I do this? And can I do well, that? Well, that's the biggest passion killer of all Precisely. time. Precisely. And secondly, I mean, not only is it a passion killer and it, and it punctuates what's meant to be sort of, sort of steamy. Yes. It's sort of really, it's, it, it makes the whole thing benign, doesn't it? Like oh, completely. if you have to then say, can I take it out of my mouth and put it in somewhere exactly. else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you have to show some form of consent. So, okay, let me let me finish this hypothetical. But wait a minute, though, just before, because I don't understand this. If this then ends up in court one day, it's mm-hmm. still he said, she said. It so is, I can still but there are certain things that you can't use as a defence for consent. Like which what? is circumstances in which there is no consent, okay? A person does not consent to a sexual activity if the person does not say or do anything to communicate consent. No, but what I'm saying is just Mm -hmm. say I said 
yes. And then, and then we have, when we do the deed, and then I wake up the next morning and he doesn't ring me. So I think, all right, I'm going to, so I'm going to say he raped me. Yeah. It's still my word against his whether well, I said it is, yes or not. Well, it is, except for the fact that you would say he raced through the door. He just jumped on me. He didn't say anything. He didn't wait for me to say anything. I froze. Right. That's a common one now. Right. I froze so I couldn't say anything. He's gone. I feel actually quite sad for young people that have I to go too. through all this because it's terrible. You know, it's it is. It's it's too much. Yeah, it's terrible, and it actually. And and, and I and I do. I honestly feel really really bad for people who are raped. I mean, I I'm not discounting. No, that, no. Who are actually yeah, you know violated properly raped. Yeah. It must be a horrendous yeah. thing, and it does happen. We all know it happens. Yes. But I'm not sure. It sort of seems like. You know, you know, we're putting a like a massive net out for one little. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. You know, the person who gets raped at the train station late at night with the knife held to yes. their throat, horrific stuff. Horrific. I've had clients like that. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. I actually had a girlfriend back right back in the day when I was when I very first was a hairdresser who got raped, and she never got over it. No. Ever. No. She was like Miss Sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy exactly. Ever yeah. Since. Yeah. 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 Well, that's like what it happened. Really, really affected, yeah. and I think it's horrendous. But but for the you know for the thousands of people out there who aren't experiencing it, it seems like we're doing an awful lot just for the. It's terrible. Yeah. I, th- I think it's absolutely terrible. If I had a son now, I would be terrified every time he went out. So just what would happen if like uh, if you know you go over to your, your girl's place or a girl's place and she does sort of like you know a dance around at a bra and panties and things like that but doesn't actually say yes it is yeah. You're in trouble. Big trouble. Even though she might have, like, got you to the point where exactly. you can barely Big contain trouble. yourself. And, and in my view, it doesn't take into account that, unfortunately, young men don't think with their heads. No. No. I mean, the thing is, I don't think you can, I don't think you can actually legislate against sort of, you know, what, what's almost a, a, an animalistic thing. No. Do you know what I mean? No. Like. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, I agree. A hot-blooded, yeah. You know, we, we breed horses at home. Once the stallion, the, the mare, sort of had a, you know, been around for a bit. There's no stopping him. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, one would hope that you know, young men aren't quite like horses. No, I no, but they're yeah. still animalistic. There is still a. They, there's still. A, I'm not suggesting that they, they are, but I'm just saying. You know, there is still, I mean, that's part of it, isn't it? Of course it is. But listen to some more of these things. It's just terrible. Like it's now no longer a defence because the person participates in the sexual activity because the person is mistaken. Now, this is one of the people that pushed for this law was that girl in the nightclub in the lane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. My thing with that case has always been that she... Didn't mind the sexual activity. She just didn't like the anal sex. Right? This now says not a defence. Wow. You know, it's the same as if um, mistaken. Who have, Who's mistaken if it's their husband? I mean, seriously? <laughs> it's, 
You must know Is what that you... a thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, lots of girls have said, oh, you know, I've had a case like this where she woke up the next morning, basically because a boyfriend caught her in the bedroom, the real boyfriend, so she screamed and yelled, oh, so drunk I thought it was you. I mean, seriously? <laughs> well, now they've made that it's no... That means he's gone. He's just plain gone. Because she was consenting. Who, the boyfriend or the, the one? The boyfriend's no, no. The 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 guy who had sex with her will be found guilty because but she's. What was, should he have tapped on the shoulder and said, "By the way, I'm not your husband." Yes, yes, yes. That's what this I mean. Is it is. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Not to mention that. How drunk can you be to not know your husband or your boyfriend? Well, exactly. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, it was only when I was thinking about questions I was going to ask you that it occurred to me, I think, that these new consent laws are going to be much harder for gay people than heterosexual people. Yeah, and I was just thinking as I was sitting here, and I don't know anything about it, so I could be completely wrong here, is there much sort of gay sex crime? I don't think there is. I mean, you don't hear about it, do you? No, not much. Not much. I mean, you, there are no sort of high-profile gay rape. No, crime. but I'm sure there will yeah, be. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm sure there is as yeah. well. I'm. I'm yeah. not. I'm not discounting it or belittling it. But you don't hear about. No, it, No, but you? you probably don't hear about it because people still don't really want to go to court, right? And have their yeah homosexuality yeah. exposed. No, exactly. And and the but that will come. Yeah. yeah. So no, I think this is scary. Mm. And I think it's particularly going to be scary for the escort industry. Real scary. Well, surely they are consenting. No, no. What? How about this? Is another hypothetical. You ring the escort equivalent of grinder, and the person comes along, and the person says, "You know, the person's no good at and doesn't get their money up front." Okay, and then afterwards says, "You know, my five hundred dollars, please." No, you weren't any good. Here's a hundred. Right. I was raped. Yeah. yeah. Then what? <laughs> I think it's just fraught with all sorts of problems. Yeah. There doesn't really seem to be a lot an answer either way, no. though, does there? I mean, it's such a it's such a hard area of, of law, I think, because no one wants to put someone who actually has been raped through a trial, but then you can't. I mean. You can't just assume that everybody is, is telling the truth no, either no, in, you in can't. anything, like whether it be a rape or any other yeah. sort of no, you can't. crime. So it's like a really no win situation. Exactly, exactly. Well, on that note, thank you very much, Joe. It's been very informative. Pleasure. Nice to be here. <laughs>